Can I say about now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You gotta, you gotta give it to the old guy with gray hair. I gotta click a few boxes. You know what I mean? Man? <laughs> <laughs> Good to meet you, man. Good to meet you. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. How about yourself, man? I'm hanging in there. I don't know how much uh, how much touring you're doing, but yeah, I'm not doing any. I haven't for a minute, um, for a while actually. Really? I uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, mostly studio writing, doing some producing. Okay. Um, not necessarily because of the pandemic um, that we've been going through for the past seems like thirty years now. Right. Jesus. <laughs> it's been. Uh, I don't know. Um, mostly just playing gigs. I haven't, didn't really do a lot of touring for, for most of my career. Okay. Um, did some. I uh, had a fan. Did the family thing mostly, but was able to do some really um, interesting, important things. I think that I wanted to do other than just yeah. bang around. Yeah. Know? We can get into all of that. I'm sure you're, you're yeah. curious now. <laughs> <I am. laughs> Uh, well, hold on. First of all, uh, Johnny DeFrancesco, uh, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> we got right into it. We started. I know, having, shit. Oh, we were having too much fun too early. You know, I'm known for that. <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. So this podcast really came out of feeling of disconnection uh, to the musical community here in the last couple years. Sure. Um, so we can touch on that. But what I'm really interested in is hearing how you got to music. And so, you know, we're going to take, we're going to go way back. And, okay, uh, man. I'm all you know, yours. <laughs> go, <laughs> growing up in Philly, I'm an East Coast kid. I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, yeah. But I won. Oh, is that right? Well, yeah. I I heard about Berkeley. We're definitely yeah, going to yeah. rap about Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. I just, I had, a, I used to love North. And Italian restaurants are amazing. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's go back if we can growing up in Philly proper or yes. Pretty much um my family originally uh was from Niagara Falls, New York. Okay. Uh, my my parents I was born in Niagara Falls, New York. Uh, I have an older sister, Cheryl. Um we ended up moving to the Philadelphia area. I believe not around 1968. I was about three. So, so that's kind of where the memories begin. Oh, absolutely. But we would go back and, you know, I had grandparents there. We would visit, you yeah. know, um, yeah. but yes, Philadelphia would be, you said you wanted to go back way back. Cause there's Let's a lot go. of misconceptions that because we're Italian, we're all from South Philly, you know, <laughs> nah, which is cool. I spent a lot of time in South Philly. I love that. We're actually from the suburbs. Okay. Philadelphia, but which two miles from Center City. So okay. we're Philadelphia kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I know your father uh, mm -hmm. uh, is an incredible uh, organ player, so I'm assuming that there was a lot of music in the house growing up. And can you share maybe some of the artists or records that were inspiring to you kind of early on? Sure. But first of all, my grandfather was a musician as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's an incredible saxophonist, toured with the Dorsey Brothers. Okay. And my father obviously grew up and immersed in music. His first instrument was the trumpet as a kid. Okay. And as he grew up, 
he heard Jimmy Smith when he was about 18 years old and said, I got to get an organ. So he taught himself the organ. Wow. Wow. So that's kind of historically my, my great grandfather. We're all uh, originally from Sicily. My grandfather came over 1909 and then subsequently became an American musician. Um, it's funny. My brother's calling me right now. <laughs> he can wait. His ears are burning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, historically, I mean, if there's any, uh, not that it matters, but the, the, I don't know what level of granularity you want to get into here, but, and my great grandfather taught my grandfather. So, and all my grandfather's brothers, it sounds like, like, like my cousin Vinny and my grandfather, my brothers were mechanics and my cousins. Were me so it's kind of like, it was like the family thing. Yeah. Although my father always had a day gig. Oh, no oh. shit. Oh yeah, Iron Man and shit would play three, four nights a week. Get home two in the morning and go to a day gig. He retired oh, thirty. Man. Yeah, he's a badass. He's still alive too. I mean, yeah. I look at the cat and I go because I kind of used his model, and we'll get into that later of how I wanted to raise my family. And then um, I, my grandfather, my grandparents lived with us, so mm. my grandfather I would come home from school and he played every instrument and taught every instrument. My grandfather yeah. was inc mm. incredible. So I wanted to play guitar. So when I was about eight years old, um, I'm Catholic, of course, being Italian, first Holy Communion, I got like 90 bucks. What do you want? I want a mini bike. Now we're going to buy you a guitar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and then I, he showed me early on and then it went from there. Your, your grandfather did or your dad? Yes, my grandfather. Okay. My dad doesn't play guitar. I see. Just Neither trumpet and organ. Trumpet and organ. Um, it's funny, him and my brother, man, they just looked at, even Joey is as amazing of a musician as he is, that shit, that damn, because he plays the saxophone, the trumpet. We all play drums. I actually gigged with my dad when I was a kid playing drums. So, um, but that guitar, man, for some reason, yeah. <laughs> kicks their ass. And of course, I chose that instrument. But anyway. Was, yeah, there, so was there ever a moment, uh, you know, like I have, a, I have two older brothers. My middle brother played guitar. Yeah. So I wanted to play the drums. Was there ever a moment where you're like, all right, Joey's doing this, so I'm going to do this, or dad's doing this. So was there ever that thing, or was it just the guitar spoke to you in a way that, that other instruments didn't? That's a great question, because we had all the instruments were dispersed around the house, but there was no guitar. So I, I got the guitar. Yes, I always, because um, I'm uh, fascinated with the guitar maybe for reasons i wasn't aware of then that i'm aware of now because i'm a gearhead i'm a grease monkey i like to take cars and build engines so i'm a mechanic but you know it's one of the things i did we'll get into but yeah. um yeah the guitar just kind of spoke to me the guitar uh, i i have obviously a love affair with but my favorite instrument is drums okay i always um very and you, what maybe Mike? I wish he was here. This would be fun. I am. I I listen to drummers. I am more of a. I don't want to say hard on drummers, but expect more out of because as you know as well as I do, you're up front and they got you. Right. They can destroy and ruin your life. Right. If they're. Yeah. <laughs> if they're, it's so it's like yo, what are you doing, dude? So anyway, <laughs> they can. They got the control. You're up front, but. Everything's a drum, man. Everything's about the rhythm. Right. Everything's about we're just like you know, candy. We're up there playing right. guitar and singing, like you we're know. the icing. But yeah, that's the we're, cake. we don't even count. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, you know, from my musical acumen perspective, it's all about the rhythm. So that's my favorite. And when there was always a drum set in the house, and I got 
my dad would come home, would come home from work and there was an organ, all the instruments. Um, and uh, I started playing drums and then I got pretty proficient where I could keep time. And I started gigging with him when I was like 13 and 14 in clubs in South Philly and Philly. But to answer your question, there was Joey six years younger than me. So I was mm. already playing. I see. So by the time, and then he started playing and just, you know. Right. But no, I understand the brother thing. No, I didn't, I really didn't. You were like kind of beyond it at that point. Yeah, I still, I like, I want to play the guitar, you know, yeah. it fit my personality. And then when I saw like coming up in a jazz household, which was great because I had an edge, I really understood what like good quality music was. And, and then I started getting into blues and rock. I heard Jimi Hendrix and I was like, oh yeah, that's, oh, that's right. You know, I dove West Monk. I still do. That's all I listen to. And George and, it, mm -hmm. and George Benson and Grant Green and, and Kenny Burrell. I mean, I, I, just, I stole everything I know from those guys. But that sonic thing, when I heard that just crazy, like expressive, mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily based on uh, a certain vocabulary. It was an inventive vocabulary. So, so early on... Um you were listening to, uh, your father was bringing a lot of jazz in, into the oh yeah that was yeah. it and really? jazz and a lot of the funk so uh -huh. all the record collection my mom was into the funk size who was like james brown average roy band and then all the jimmy smith records all the west montgomery records the bb king the blues stuff we, i had access to all that's all i heard from the day i was i i didn't hear led zeppelin until i was like 14 and a bunch of my buddies were starting a rock band and and i i said they were like, check this out. You know, we we're all coming. I go, well, that's it's like some blues. It's not right. Well, that... you want to hear? Now, I'm not going to say it's bad because John Bonham again, the whole right. band. You could take right. the other three guys and replace <laughs> them. He died. The band ended. So that's true. I, and I don't know if you want to print that because it's a lot of Led Zeppelin guys. You could kill me. But I, I think everybody would categorically, fundamentally agree that without John Bonham, that's to my earlier point. There's yeah. no Led Zeppelin, Brian. <laughs> well, no, no, but that's the truth. I mean, the band said that, right? I mean, as soon as <laughs> so, if the band says it, okay, yes. you know, we can't do this anymore without that guy. No, isn't that funny? Um, anyway, so yeah, that's kind of how. So early know. years, you're absorbing all this great, um, yes, funk and jazz, and then I mean. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I I think that there was a pretty solid funk and soul scene in Philly around that time, right? Oh my I mean, God, Gamble and Huff, TSOP. Yeah. You could go to any, and again, the music scene. I, Brian, you would have loved it, man. And talking just corner bars. Yeah. In my neighborhood, the bands were smoking. Yeah. I don't mean just like like. I mean like. You couldn't if you couldn't try to hear bad music. Right, right. And it was so inspirational as a kid. I bet. I'm like, oh, you go anywhere. Why? Anywhere. Why, do, why do you think that? Why do you think that Philly had such a a, a diverse, um, deep music scene? A love for live performance. A love for uh, blues and jazz and funk and soul. Why? Why do you think Philly had that? I just think the, the there's a certain energy um, that, you know, Philly has a bad rep, especially from sports. You know, they booed Santa Claus and there was a courtroom in the vet state to try people during the game. But there's a, I don't know, Brian, if you've ever been to Philly, there's a soulful, funky warmth 
to that city to where if you're bad at something, they give it up. But if uh-huh. you're not good, you're going to hear that as well. So <laughs> I think there's that competitive edge. You look historically, um, you know, John Coltrane, Lee Morgan. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Philly mm-hmm. musicians, just like mm-hmm. any big city. A lot of people go to New York to make it big. And there's a lot of great musicians from New York. But I just think it's it's the culture there of, of um, I, I always, to get a feel for the movie. You know the movie Rocky, you know, the first one. Yeah. That, that warm. He depicts kind of like, I mean, a tough guy. Sorry about right. that. It's all good. But a warm, there's, there's, there's this whole dichotomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is, is embedded into the way the musicians approach the music. This is just my idea. It's, I'm, not gonna, I'm not trying to write a white paper on it now. This is just what I've observed uh-huh. from and anybody you talk. Hey, man, I really dig it when I was a kid coming up, man. Oh, you play, man? Yeah, you want to play, man? No. I'm here to listen and to learn. Well, man, come on, get up there and do your thing, man. Let me see what you got. Yeah. It was like that. Yeah. There was nobody like, there's no jam. Nobody's jamming tonight. We're not letting anybody. As soon as they knew you could play, you were like, come on up, man. Yeah. You all right, man. Yeah. Give me a call. I got some ideas. One might want to check these chord changes out. It was like that. Wow. Always. How incredible. It was. Yeah. So again, probably too long of an answer, but. No, I love it. That's, that was the vibe. You know? So you're gigging, you're an early teenager. You're gigging with your dad who at that time was was well known as oh a, yeah as an incredible yeah. organ player you're a you're a child but you know back in your dad right yeah and so you're playing i'm assuming you're playing through high school at what point did you move from drums to guitar or, he, or did they happen simultaneously no i was still i was i was playing with my dad on weekends and uh, to make i was gigging making money you know yeah. so i could buy car parts no i because i loved playing but i was building cars too a car t- at the same time we we're very renaissance my father's into cars hot rods like we never called anybody uh-huh. like the remodel with basement no well you know times <laughs> no, we're gonna we're doing it we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna put I all the spots. I, I got. We're the guy. You're the guy. Hold this. Yeah. Hold the flashlight. Yeah. There was. There was nobody coming to do it. We'll. We'll do it. They don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do about us. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> nobody. Nobody could do this. You know what I mean? What we got? What? What? what, what do we need? Come on. Yeah. Right, right. Twenty five hundred dollars for what? Yeah. So. Yeah. So. I, and I had bands with my friends too at the same time. We were doing all of the parties and the garage stuff and all, all that kind of stuff um, with all my peers, my high school guys that were coming up. Um, and I still have a lot of the same friends now. And it's nice to awesome. hear that, like, that you, I was kind of only because I was just lucky enough to be in an environment. I was kind of like their mentor. I didn't intentionally do it, but it was like, no, no, here, listen, listen to Albert King. Listen to Muddy Waters. Forget that. Here, let me show you the drum groove. Mm. Thanks, man. You know, I like pain in mm. the ass. Get off the drum. Let me show you. In a nice <laughs> way. They're like, Johnny D, show me. What's that mojo beat? Uh, it's this. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Yeah, I got Thanks, man. I could. All right. <laughs> let me give me the bass. No, this is this, this is the groove. This is what he's playing. I was wow. lucky. I was lucky. I, but I wanted to share it. I wanted to, like, I wasn't like, you don't know what you're doing. Let me, hey, man, man just check this out, man. Oh, cool. And everybody was into it. And- I was doing all of that. And 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 these are records like the the blues stuff specifically came through your mom. No, nah, both. The funk both. was from my dad's side. 
Okay. On my mom's side, the funk stuff. She always right. done like the James Brown, Sly and the Family Stone. That was like her thing. You know, yeah. we used to be dancing in the living room. It was a crazy environment. You know, yeah. it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Very, um, you know, creative, you know, environment. Yeah. It, it was just that kind of vibe. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. What's happening? Are you looking to take your relationship to the next level? Maybe you're talking to your sweetheart about moving in. Maybe you want to find a new crib. What? Talk about next level. This podcast is sponsored by the Angstrom team. That's Becky, Carrie, and Kate. See what I did there? This is the mother-daughter real estate team with Coldwell Banker. You want to find a new crib together? Call these gals. They're going to walk you through the whole process. You need a bigger crib. You got plans. Call Becky, Carrie, and Kate at 480-250-1936. They're going to walk you through the process of finding that really romantic crib with that heart-shaped jacuzzi in the middle of the living room. Find them online, angstromteam.com, E-N-G-S-T-R-O-M, team.com. Come on. Right after high school, knocked around for a while, uh, did, you know, like the community college thing, and I joined the Air Force because I always had a love for aviation and, and airplane. I started taking flying lessons when I was a kid when I had the money wow. to do it. Yeah. So. And was and that I, part of, like, encouraged or, or I'm assuming it was absolutely. By, your, by your folks, but, like, was it a part of that family thing or was it just a new interest that – you're like, listen, I want to, I want to try this out too. My father was always interested in aviation and airplanes. So me and him would go to air shows. I used to drag him to air show. We would drag me. We were always building model airplanes, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So aviation was something I always wanted to be like a fighter pilot or, and be a pilot of some type. So I took a few flying lessons with some money that I was making when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, always was interested in uh, building cars. My father's a hot rodder. I took mm-hmm. that on as well. 15 years old, I had my first car, drug it into the driveway, me and him, engine hoist, took the engine. You know, he's he's amazing, amazing renaissance, man. Electrician wow. taught me that trade. Wow. Um, so, again, um, not very focused, <laughs> <laughs> but very rich, um, which is um, – kind of the way I came up. So after high school, to answer your question, because you, as you've noticed, I'm probably should be on some type of an 80. I love it, bro. But, <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm punch little, for punch, man. <laughs> well, it's kind of fun when you reflect, you start talking about this. It's just like, is anybody going to believe like the, the lack of attention I can pay <laughs> to something? Um, what's that over there? Anyway, you know, it's squirrel. like squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's me, man. Didn't, wasn't really a good student. Barely graduated from high school out of, um, I don't know, 280. I was probably 277 played high school football though. Um, so you didn't, a- you didn't do like the, the band, the school band thing. No, in high school. no, no. I actually went, uh, to vote, I went to Votech for drafting and auto mechanics. I was in drafting my 11th grade year. That was just sitting around. I couldn't, I couldn't take it, but you know, cause you're just drawing pick back in the day. It was so drafting cam. what drafting and design. Okay. Like CAD cam, what they were calling okay. now. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. in the day we used to use like pencils Yeah, and used to actually 
draw the shit. Now you right. just put it in a computer program. But right. that was an actual trade back then, being a draftsman. And then I said, I just couldn't take it, sitting there at a draft board all day, draw this picture out of this book. Why am I? I I'm building cars at home. I'm right. welding, I'm cutting, I'm like, <laughs> like right. yeah. and I'm sitting here. So I took auto mechanics, um, played football in high school, actually had a pretty decent football career in high school. What was your position? Wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Considered going to college for football. I had a few offers. I didn't have the grades. That's a whole other story. I wasn't really focused. I was just doing it for fun because I had played since like nine years old, you know, like boys club football and all that shit. Yeah. 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 So um, ended up (laughs) knocking around, took a semester community college, was playing in bands. Uh, my dad said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. He goes, I know. <laughs> he said, why don't you call a fucking recruiter? Because <laughs> like, like, all my buddies. <laughs> Sorry for the F-bomb. No, no, it's all <laughs> good. We can say anything on this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Oh, good. And I did. So I, I joined, I joined the air force. I went through basic training, uh, 1985, um, went into jet engine technical school, Champaign, Urbana, Illinois. Got stationed uh, in Northern California, right outside at Travis Air Force Base, right outside of San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And that's so I did the jet engine mechanic thing there. And uh, were you playing pl- during that time? I started playing again. Yeah. That's when yeah. I hooked up with like Turner and Duke Jethro. And like now, it's <laughs> funny that you bring up Ike Turner. Uh, I asked Mike, I said, Are there any questions that you would ask Johnny? And uh, he said, he said, yes, have him tell you the Ike Turner story when you guys are playing in Southern California. San Diego. Yeah, yeah. And he rolls up, and then there was a – I, I mean, yeah. he, he glossed over some of the details, but there was a late-night hang that I'm supposed to ask you about. That was kind of funny. Yeah. But was this – is this is this that time? Like, no, that was after I'd gotten out of the Air Force. Okay, well, oh, so sorry, then I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. To, no, it's cool. From 86 to 92, I was in the Air Force. I met my wife, Jackie, January 1st, 1987, and married her April 10th, 1987, three and a half months later. Yeah. So we're still married, I believe. Love it. Not. Yeah. So that what's 35, 36 years. So, and she had two sons from a previous marriage who I adopted. Um, Mike knows them very well. <laughs> They're anyway. So that was it. I got married. Um, and Air Force had a, co- a college program, so I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in, in aviation maintenance um, through Southern Illinois University because of this program bootstrap they had. I took a test. I fooled them. They let me go and take this, this training. Um, that was from 86 to 92. That's when I stationed in Northern California. That's when I met the whole uh, Johnny Lee Hooker and like Turner, Johnny Hartsman. I went to a couple jam sessions in San Francisco and the Bay Area and and uh the, what, the, like I, on an off night or something i mean like yeah like on a week because i i started playing again so i put a band together uh-huh. around 1990 um and was playing all the local clubs i went to a jam session they had on the base and they had a, an, an nco club there and, yeah. and every sunday they would have these burning bands in from the bay area and i started talking to one of the cats and he said you want to sit in i'm like yeah, all right. And I played get the, like, holy shit, they hired me. And then I put bands, you know, how all that stuff just kind yeah. of propagates like, like a crack. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I started playing together, uh, playing again, seriously with bands and all that, that, that type of thing. Quick question. Sure. Did you, 
did you enlist to get away from music? Like, was that a conscious decision that you were making or was it just, I need to have something happening while the music is happening? Or was it, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take a break from music. I'm going to do this other thing, this other passion of mine, and I'll come back to music eventually. But for the time being, this is what I want to do. You know, it's, nobody's ever asked me that question. That, that's a, and I never thought, so I was going to, I was very focused. I said, I'm going to do this air force thing full time. I kind of understood the, the magnetic draw of music because it's part of my DNA. I know that. I mean, you kind of know that about yourself, but I was only 20 years old at the time. So when I first made my trip to Travis Air Force, I didn't bring a guitar or anything. And I said, so I was really going to get your, but in the back of my, there would be, I'd go through and I wasn't married yet. So you lived in like in a dorm on the base. It was kind of cool. And there guys had guitars in their rooms and they would like, you know, Hey man, yeah, play. I, I would play. And they're like, what, what the, f yeah. <laughs> what? I would imagine. Yeah. Response. And then my uh, thing was, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Have you ever been a musician? Do you understand, like, the, 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 have your heart torn out on it? I mean, it can yeah. be. And, and, I, and I had some really good candid conversations with my dad. He goes, like, what do you want to do? I mean, at least do something. He, I, yeah. And, and, and at least, but there was a passion and love for aviation there. So it didn't feel like I was just giving up on my dreams and, like, I'm done with this. I was new because i watched him my whole life do both mm -hmm. so maybe subconsciously i'm like yeah i'll get back to this let me do it let me check this out for a minute <laughs> okay okay you know well no i'm fascinated by this because uh i i have a love-hate relationship with music i hope i would hope that you would you're a professional musician you know and people that think oh why why would you want to work here <laughs> Yeah, try right. this shit for about five years. Right, right. <laughs> and I, you know, in in a way, I've come in and out of it. Um, when when I need it the most, it's there. When I'm kind of like, I've had enough, man. This is some bullshit. I step away. I, it, it immediately comes back stronger than it did before. And so I'm just curious. Like part of the reason why I'm in Phoenix was to get away from music. I was living in Massachusetts and I'm, you know, I'm playing whatever shitty clubs from Boston to New York up to Burlington, Vermont, and I'm broke and I'm like, <laughs> fuck this. Yeah, I, I, I can relate. So I moved to Phoenix and that's when I start another band. I start writing music that inspires me, uh, that is true to me, like this whole thing. So the yeah. whole concept of, of being in it, removing yourself, being back in it. I'm fascinated how people come in and out of music. And I don't think, I don't think that there's a, uh, I think some people think that there's a stigma against that. They're like, if you're not all in, you're not all in, then you're not real or professional or dedicated or passionate. And that's some bullshit because no, that shows your intelligence, Brian, to, to reevaluate. No, that's, that's the, the smart. No, I'm sorry. Not to interrupt, but, I've no, been through that too. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But there's more, you know, it, yeah. I, 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 I totally get there was times when I was like, 
and then bam. But I've left and come back so many times, and we uh, we can get to all that as as we progress through this this discussion. Yeah, it's a it's a so, sixteen it's a sixteen hour podcast. By yeah, the way. It's, it's, uh, maybe sixteen. How long have we been on? Twenty three minutes. Yeah. This should be. <laughs> yeah, this could be a seven part uh, podcast. <laughs> and it's all true, which is sad. What do you do? I play the guitar. Thank you. That should be the end of it. What would okay. be? What would his answer be? I play the guitar. <laughs> You know, why do you got to be a seeker? What answers are you looking for? I, I don't know. It's all bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. Well, all right. So, so um, all right. So, so it wasn't necessarily an attempt uh, to distance yourself from it, but you just had other passions and, and you, you know, I, I just find it uh, interesting and, and uh, interesting that your father of all people who has created this incredible legacy was like, what are you going to actually do? You know? Yeah. And, you, and meanwhile, you've been yeah. working with him for many years, you know, like, uh, and he's like, but what are you going to do? <laughs> you know? No, but kinda... he, he was right. He's yeah. right. Cause he knew me. Cause me, my, my father and, and I are very, very, very much alike. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my older sister and that, you know, she got educated, took, went to school, got married, had kids, you know, she's in a great, had a, I'm the middle child. Well, mm-hmm. You're the middle child too, right? Which no, I, I'm the youngest. So you're the youngest. So my brother's six years younger. He kind of just hyper, there was nothing else. Right. Right. He didn't ride bicycles. He didn't play football. He didn't throw a ball. He didn't, he found, he got everything he needed and continues to do to get everything he needs from music. Yeah. I'm yeah. not like that. Right. So it was good. I mean, he's happy. I, I just, I, what's this? What's that? Why does that work? How's that work? Why is this? Huh. I'm done. Fuck this. I want to do something else. It's just my, I guess it's. Yeah. The wires, man. Right. You know? <laughs> right. 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 Well, and I'm also fascinated by that whole dynamic of where you fall within your siblings and how that um, can encourage or discourage your passion. Um, like my oldest brother never really had the music bug, went in a very different direction. My middle mm-hmm. brother kind of did. It was nurtured by my parents. He went off and did it, but then ultimately decided it wasn't for him. And then there's me. I'm the third. I'm watching all this shit. Right. Well, that's not going to make me happy. That's not going to make me happy. Let's just fucking play music. How about that? Oh, it's possible. Fucking <laughs> sign me up. Yeah, I'll, man. I'll see you in 40 years. You know. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, well, so to an yeah. earlier point you were trying to make, though, just let me make And again, your, your intuitiveness of, of going, you know, when you first start playing, you're just happy to be playing. Yeah. It's kind of like getting late. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You're not worried about style positions nope let's get the and then job after, done. <laughs> right and then after a while when you start getting good at playing and you start realizing all right i mean i remember just it was, i was happy to go to a jam session get mm-hmm. off i could get mm-hmm. my thing right and then it's about okay this is my profession now oh, i'm gigging now i got 20 gigs lined up you didn't give a shit if there was ten thousand people or that lasts for a while right. you've you've experienced all these stages now yeah. it's like well i'm pretty fucking good now I got something going on here. Yeah. When's the next shit going to happen? And uh-huh. that's where you, I think, where you go, well, you can't settle it. If it doesn't happen, if it does, ha- that's the whole, because in any other career field, if you want to become a doctor or an accountant, you do this, 
you move right. up. You do this corporate, you move up. Right. You get this break. You this is just well. There's no there's no playbook, you no, know. And none. unlike a career none. like medicine or accounting or whatever, pick whatever any fucking yeah. corporate situation. It's it's the latter thing. It's like this yes. wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Whereas music, it's like you get you get the bug, and then like all right. And then you consume as much as you can. You play as much as you can. Then you then you take stock. All right. Well, what's the next thing? How do I? But there's no playbook. No one's like, okay, if you just check this shit off, you'll be fine. So I understand, you know, the the nebulous nature of music and the music. But when industry. you arrive there, is the problem because you've done all. Once you stop living off the feeling that you're actually doing it. Now you're trying to turn it into something mm. when you have that awakening is when that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I mean, because now I'm still love doing it. Don't get me wrong. I, I get to I go through all these changes. I get on the stage and for that 20 minutes, you're Hercules right. inside. Right. But then, you know, as you mature and you start to look at, okay, what the, the next thing is, just, like you right. said, it's just so nebulous, man. Yeah. There's that's no blueprint. I, I, there's nothing. <laughs> And you're just kind of out there trying to figure it out. And, and yeah, you're, you're, you're connecting with your peers and, and right. on some level you can kind of gauge where you are and all right. I, okay. But this is, this is my next goal. This is, you know, I don't know. I just, I really connect with your decision just to be like, hold on, I'm going to explore this completely different thing right now. Yeah. And I'm going to dedicate myself. I'm not even going to bring a fucking guitar, the instrument that completely speaks to me, that that feeds my soul. I'm going to take a fucking break on this. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I feel like, I, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I always knew that I would come back to it. I knew that it was the like the fabric of my fucking soul. Um, but I just didn't know. It was touch and go. Anyway. Uh, well, you don't want to begin to hate something you love so much. Well, right. And that, and that, and that was the, that was the moment where I was like, Step this away, isn't man. working. I need yeah. to remove myself completely. I mean, I moved across the fucking country. <laughs> yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't know anyone here and I'm just going to see what happens. Um, yeah. So sorry. Um, no, it's good, man. Let's go back to, um, you're in the air force. You're right. at, at Travis air force base. Right. And that was until 92. You said, yeah, that's when I got out right around 91, I had done a demo. Um, Do you remember where you cut it? Yeah. In Phoenix, Arizona. No shit. Yeah. At Billy Moss's old studio. Uh, no, Billy. He I moved don't. the studio. Anyway, he had a, it was called vintage recording. And my brother was living here at the time. And I said, Joe, I got these ideas for these tunes. He goes, yeah. He goes, um, somebody heard something. George Butler was an executive producer at Columbia at the time. So I went and cut the demo. And then he really liked it. And he wanted to pair me with another singer. They kind of wanted to do like a Sam and Dave thing. We cut mm. that demo. So I said, um, cool. I was just getting ready to get out of the Air Force. Uh, at the time, I was going to go through Air Force pilot training. And there was a big federal government cutback. Um, and they cut all the slots out and I said, I'm playing anyway. Now I'm back into this. So I did the six years active duty. I, I got out, I moved to Phoenix. I lived in Scottsdale for one year, my wife, two kids, and we were going to kind of like hang here and see what happened. That whole deal fell apart. And then I moved back to Philly in 93 and, um, 
took a job as electrician with Amtrak. My dad was still working there at the time. I needed to get no and started and started gigging again. Yeah. Um, I think what was it? 95. Uh, is when I started the Berkeley gig. Let's dig into that because, you know, yeah. as a, as a, as a product of Massachusetts, uh, Berkeley school yeah. of music is the, that's the gold standard. That's, that's where you go. Even if you don't complete your, your, your degree, uh, no, yeah. that's where you go to get the goods. So how did you get that gig? Actually, are you, do you know Todd Shuba? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, this is a question that he wanted me to ask you. Todd? Todd Shuba. Yeah. I, 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 talk, I, I talked to him today. I said, hey, I'm talking he to Johnny. There? He's doing great, man. Yeah. I, I love Todd. We we work a lot together. He's uh, he's a dear friend of mine. And, yeah. And I mentioned that I was going to be chatting with you today. And he's like, oh, man, you have to ask him how he got that Berkeley gig. So. I'm trying to remember. Does he remember? <laughs> he doesn't. No. He doesn't know. I'm trying. <laughs> Todd's an incredible musician, too. Uh, oh, my God. I love Ooh. working with Todd. Oh, man. Him and Mike, yeah. I actually did a gig with both of them a while ago. Todd was on percussion and Mike was on. And then they switched. And I was yeah. like, man, this is too good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But to, to have, like, drummers to be able to that interchangeability. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The Berkeley gig. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I got endorsed by an, an amplifier company called. Uh, called. Oh, good. I'll edit all this out. Name? By the way, do, do, do you know all this? No, no. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Evans. Evans amplifier. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, they they were solid state amps. Um, and Jimmy Bruno, a very famous Philadelphia jazz guitar player that I got to be friends with, he said, you should give Johnny one of these amps because he was endorsed by him. So, um, yeah, it's kind of weird. So I got the amp, amp endorsement, and this guy named Scott Buffington, who owned the amplifier company, was trying to pitch a deal for, for Berkeley to buy, you know, to buy a bunch of their amps to keep right. small. And he made a small little practice amp, there, and he was pitching a deal for that. But they, were, they had a Fender deal at the time. So, But anyway, somehow my name came up. He goes, well, I got Johnny D. Francesco. He's from, he's from Lake Southern Carolina, South Carolina or something. I'll do, I'll do a fake accent. He goes, uh, yeah, well, I got endorsements by Jimmy Bruno and Johnny D. Francesco. And the head of the, the, the guitar department, Larry Bell, and said, you know Johnny D. Francesco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard him play. I've been trying to get a hold of him. We'd like to bring him up, maybe do a couple of clinics and some clinics. So he got my number, and he said, would you be interested in doing a summer fender used to sponsor a five-week program and that, no a one-week program where kids from all over could come check berkeley out mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that you would have i had like a blues lab they called it i had like six guitar players a bass player drummer and we would kind of teach them and then we would recite at the end of the week like three awesome. tunes yeah it was kind of fun and then after i did that it was um they offered me a gig this was 1995 i believe and so you were kind of full-time faculty at that point? Part-time. So part -time. I would keep, but it was like 20-something hours a week. Um, and I was still, so at that time, uh, I'd left Amtrak. I actually got laid off in the Berkeley game gig. So I was teaching at Berkeley. I would go up and teach Mondays and Tuesdays, two 10-hour days, stay crashed on, take the train up. Yeah. Because I didn't want to move my kids. My kids were in a really good school in the Philly area. Yeah. Um, 
And um, so I would just jump on the train midnight, Sunday night, teach all day, Monday, Tuesday, and then take the train home Tuesday night, which left me the rest of the week to do gigs and everything. Hmm. Um, so I was doing that. And I mean, I was pretty busy. And then I ended up getting like the Fender endorsement at the time. So I was doing stuff for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that all the way up until had some pretty great experiences up there. I mean, it was got to play at the Berkeley performance, yeah, everything. It was, it was just fantastic. The staff and the faculty, and we played all the time. And it was total immersion again. That was right. it, other than me having a garage with a couple hot rods playing around. But it was that. <laughs> it was the guitar. I mean, just like deep immersion. Did a couple yeah. recordings. Was kind of digging it. Um, wasn't touring because yeah. I didn't really – I had all, plenty of opportunity to, but I was like – I got the nut covered. I'm having right. fun. I'm right. gigging locally. Uh, I'd come out west every now and then. There used to be a place Mike uh, hooked me up with, Mike Florio, a place yep. called the Cajun House. I used to play there. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Think yeah, way back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then 9-11 uh, hit. Uh, I was in Boston that morning. Wow. I was in Logan Airport. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. 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 One of the, I mean, one of the planes came out of Logan. Yeah, exactly. So Fuck. it's kind of funny. Uh, at the time, you know, I was teaching a lesson. And I come out of the classroom. There was a little TV in the teacher's lounge at the time. And they just you saw an and, and airplane flew into the, the trade center. The heck. And then another one hit. And then everything's happened. So everything was locked down. I was kind of stuck in Boston for a few days because I couldn't fly home. Right. Because every now and then I used to get like buddy passes. I had buds that worked at the airlines. Right. It's like a 20 minute flight, boom, boom. I come back instead of a 10, 12 hour train ride. They would hook me <laughs> up. That morning I happened to fly up. <laughs> so, but I was teaching at the time. Um, everything loosened up a few days later. Um, jumped, the only way to get home was on the train. Uh, again, another pivotal moment in my life, taking the train home as the, as the train goes by, you know, in New York, you can see the smoke and hole. So, uh, two weeks later, I was back in the air force. Wow. Wait, what? Yeah. I had a nine year break and, and re-enlisted or yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I felt like I had to do something. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So the story goes is brought to you by Santan Brewing. Now, I love Santan because they got some super tasty craft beers. They have award-winning spirits. They have a couple awesome brew pubs. But I'm here to tell you about the brand new event space called Santan Gardens. It's located at 495 East Warner Road in Chandler, Arizona. And I want to tell you about an event they got coming up Saturday, March 19th, 2022. It's called Day of the Dead. 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 Featuring Extra Ticket. Playing the music of the Grateful Dead. So maybe they'll drop a little estimated profit. Maybe a little Terrapin Station. Maybe a little Black-Throated Wind. What do you know about that? Check out tickets online, santanbrewing.com forward slash events. Go to this show. It's going to be super hip. I will see you there. I want to take a moment. Um... Just to reflect on that time at Berkeley, I want to mine that experience just a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, please dig in. I'm just glossing you over and you dig where you want, man. I, bro, I I, I'm serious. This is going to be a seven-part podcast. 
I don't know how much time he got, but we're we're not even like cracking this fucking. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you could boil it all down just to a to a the guy that Couple can't sound bites. The guy guy can't hold a job. That's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> and a wife crazy enough to go along with it. So at that time in two thousand one, my. I had one son who was a freshman in college and he was going to school in DC Catholic university. He's now in the air force and he's a pilot. We were actually in the same squadron together before. No I shit. Yeah. It's funny. That's so, awesome. Uh, get to all of that shit if you want to. <laughs> and my other son was a senior in high school. So, you know, it wasn't like I had little ones at home and because right. I eventually did deploy and all that. We'll get to that. If, if you like to, if you want to get into that, I really either way, but I know this is music centric, so we'll stick to that. But, um, yeah, some of the experiences, it was just phenomenal. So I ended up playing the House of Blues in Cambridge a bunch of times. Um, I actually have a recording from that. Uh, no shit. Yeah, I, I have it still. I'll lay it on you if you want. It's live. Yeah. And there's soundboard. I think it's a, I still haven't transferred it. It's like on a cassette and every now and then because I'm still <laughs> like, what is this? You know, and I put it in. Oh, that shit's burning, man. Why the hell did I go to Afghanistan? Well, anyway, you know, <laughs> every time you hear your shit, you go through it. You think you should be the star because some of this crap you hear out there, you go, man, I got all these motherfuckers. Right. What, the, <laughs> what the fuck? And I can't even play like that anymore. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that shit no more, man. Right. Because you're at the peak. So think about it. You're teaching right. eight hours a day. Yeah. Then you're gigging. Uh, and then you're doing clinics. My facility was like, I, I could, I, I could, anyway. Right, so right. Berkeley is such a, a cradle of, of the music that comes out of Boston. I mean, that is the, uh, that, the, that, the, that's like the hunting ground. That's that, those are the cats that, that everyone is trying to be and, and emulate and do. So to be a faculty there, I don't know, must have, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, must have been uh, kind of inspiring in and of itself. Oh. Uh, it was an honor and a privilege because I probably couldn't have ever got accepted to Berkeley. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. Um, and I think one of the reasons they had a very um, innovative uh, guitar department chair, Larry Bayonne, that understood um, the academic side of music, um, obviously the theory and the harmony and the reading. And then there's a whole other side of it that I think that as I came in, there was more guys like me coming in, like, okay, that's nice, but this is like how you play the guitar. Hmm. This isn't not how you play at the guitar. This isn't about how you attempt to play the guitar, but this is how you, you know, with that lit, like gristly, right, right. like this is the stanky ass way. Right, you, right. And they needed an element of that, I think, um, to round out, uh, the correct, whatever you want to call it, the curriculum, the, the just to make well, it more of a guitar centric school, right. you know, would you say that it was, it was, um, you know, they obviously have a very technical side of learning. Absolutely. And yes. you are more of the kind of emotive the street uh, side. Yes. And you do need both in the curriculum. I would say, sure. You need to be able to run down a chart, but you also right. have to understand when shit is like fucking real, like you're not just like blowing over a change. Exactly. So exactly. 
And because, and I always used to make the point, they used to have these labs, they would have a Steve, they would call them labs where you would study the music of that. And every guitar player that they studied the lab of, the Jimi Hendrix lab, I taught a few of the, cool. the Stevie Ray Vaughan lab, the West Montgomery lab, mm. none of them could read a note of music mm-hmm. or any of them, whatever the proper English would be. Right. Or were taught how yeah. to play the guitar. Right. They were all self taught, homegrown. Right. So we're studying people, right? That right. learn how to play just because they emerged from God's green earth. Right. right. And, mus- and that is what essentially, and I know you know this, you've been living this shit, musical music is about. I mean, there's the scientific part. So at least, you know, we can write everything down and 60 people can play together. I get that's why we need to learn. And then the harmony and, and, the, and the scientific approach to why does this work? The mathematics mm-hmm. involved, very mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's all about emotional impact. Right. That's it. Right. That is it. That's all this is. So if someone's playing a million notes and it's hitting you like, Dick, or it's, Hank Williams Sr., man, oh, my, the way, just the way he used to sing, mm-hmm. that emotional impact. Mm-hmm. So you can learn the nuts and bolts. And I think if you're born with a certain amount of natural ability and talent and acumen, um, you have an, an innate fundamental understanding of how to com- communicate that. But I also think if you bust your ass, you can be a great musician. But at some yeah. point, I think, and this is just me, I've been around and, and, and from my lens, you're, you end up either being an artist or a musician. There are incredible, technically proficient musicians out there, and they're going to work forever because oh, we, all, we, all, we yeah. all need them. You know, everyone needs them. And I admire them because they have actually could like have a living, like <laughs> work. <laughs> A consistent one. I'd love to be in a Broadway musical, work in the pit for Union Scale. I don't have that talent. I can't read it. I mean, I can read some chord changes. I could flub. When I was teaching at Berkeley, I memorized all Berkeley Book One. So when they would oh, come shit. in because it was required, they would, I, you know, I could not go back. That's a B flat. I'm like you, because you're not looking at it. I got it's here because I've had a mem- I've had to memorize everything I've ever learned. Like when I learned a tune. I learned the tune. No shit. You have to. I have to. Yeah. I've done a millions of sessions, but send me the, like, just send me a, could you send me a demo? That's what you do. And yeah. I'll work through. I got the chords. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I'm not so do- you're not even like writing down like, nah. <laughs> it's all the same formula. One, six, two, five, two, five. Once you figure out, once you crack wow. the code on this shit. Oh, but that's a, that's a technical thing that, I mean, I understand what it is. But I would never describe. I would never describe a song that I writ uh, that I've written as all right. It's 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 a, it's a one four five. But it's uh, your formula, though. Yeah, you understand your. Formula. I I understand you have your own I, algorithm. But fuck, if I can describe to someone who actually knows what the fuck. It well, is. I could never do that. So yeah. I would go. I went to friend Jimmy Bruno and I said, "What is this?" And he's got this rough attack. Yeah, that's a diminished idea. Okay, thank you because I heard it. I don't know what. <laughs> So somebody, what's this? Is a major? That's a minor. That's augmented. All right. When you always hear these same turnarounds in the old right. jazz, that's a one six two five. 
And he said, even his generation, the older guys that taught him, the older Italian gentlemen, it was even it was one of these or one of those. Do one of those. <laughs> Do one of these, and they knew what it meant. It's one. It's one of these. What's wrong with you? It's one. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I thought it was one of those. No, it's one of these. <laughs> that's awesome. No, and that's how they would communicate. That, right. that was, it's one of these. It's a two five one. Right. What, uh, what is it? What, the Sears Roebuck shit, you know? Right, but within right. that, the, the beauty of what they were able to create and develop, I mean, chords are a G chord is a G chord in rock, funk, blues. It's a G. Right. Right. But again, getting back to rhythm, what distinguishes all the music? It's the rhythm. So understanding that the way that, you know, when you talk about swinging, you know, when you hear it. Right. Right. You go, Man, that's some corny shit. <laughs> It ain't hit my soul, though. Maybe somebody else will dig it. I don't know. But, um, but again, right, it's uh, all subjective. Anyway. Right. Right. Well, no, but I just, I love, like, I, I, I came to music in a, in a kind of very organic way. Yeah. I, I also started on the drums. That was my first instrument. Perfect. Um, I think everybody should. I agree. I, I agree. It, 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 it totally informs how I play guitar, even how I sing. Um, yeah, because you know where the spaces are, right? Or yeah, and I know how to manipulate it. I guess yes, on yes. some level, like I can, <laughs> I can do something on the guitar, and I can complement it with my vocal or whatever. But rhythm uh, is such an important. I'm a rhythm guitar player, right? So yeah. I'm not gonna try to fucking melt your mind with the no. shredder solo, but I will hold the fucker down, and I think that's because. Um, drums was my first instrument and I, and I played that all through high school. I picked yeah. up the guitar late, I guess, late in my life, um, in high school. And, um, anyway, no, I, no, I, 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 I love, you. I love chatting with people who come at it in a similar way where it wasn't like, I didn't come at it from a technical thing first. I came at it from a very emotional place, a, a place of like, um, well, it all depends on how you learn, too, Brian. I don't learn right. technically, even though I'm a right. I'm a pilot and I'm a. I was just gonna say, all. like, your so, part of your brain is very technical. Not to a point. I I learn enough to where, I, and then I, where I can fundamentally understand it, and then I got to feel it in my ass, and then I'm good, <laughs> and then you make the relationship. That's right. Oh, that's what he was talking about. Right. When, when you go to spin, operative rudder, I see because right, you know, but I got to. I'm not, I'm like the worst, but I just have like a, like with music, a relationship with machinery. I was the worst book guy, but I already kind of understood the systems, the hydraulic systems, pneumatic systems, you know what I mean? Electrical right. systems. You just, you just kind of know, man, like, right. wait a minute, this guy's going to kill somebody. Get away from him. You just do. You just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you know, man. You get in tune. Uh, fuck this. I'm leaving. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah coming through this session. Do I want to put my name on this? These motherfuckers can't play. <laughs> and they're all good. Ah, you know what, man? Keep the two hundred dollars. Right. Cool. Right. Right. Fuck, I need that money too. You know, right. I want to buy those new Nikes for my son, but that's right. I can't, I can't fucking do it. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna suck. <laughs> I don't wanna right. suck. <laughs> right. right. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. Um you can cut right. that. anyway. <laughs> No, I love this shit. I yeah. love all the tangents. That's where the magic happens. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So I cut you off at yeah. um, 
Amtrak mm-hmm. after 9-11. Right. Um, and you decide to re-enlist. Yes. Yeah. And what, what I mean, I understand the impetus for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I guess, understand that there were a number of factors at that particular moment. You have a family. You have this teaching gig. Huh. How did you negotiate that decision? Well, uh, I guess from a technical aspect, I really didn't. I'm a ready, fire, aim guy, you know, so. <laughs> Wait, what uh, does that mean? Ready, fire, aim instead of ready, aim, fire. I'm, I'm, Got you. I'm a, ready, I'm a little slow. No, little it's, slow it's, an old ex, it's an old expression. That you th- I'm a ready, fire, aim, you know, like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, so, so as soon as I got home, I told my wife, Jackie, yeah, I'm going back in. And, and she's like, after all these years, at that point, what was I? When 9-11, I was 36 years old. At that point, she's like, okay, John, just keep the roof, keep the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> do whatever you got to do. I support you 100%. Boys wow. were in college. So I went away, did some training, wow. um, became a C-130. It's an airplane flight engineer. Flying air crew member, manager of crew systems, flying in front of the airplane. Anyway, and then uh, deployed to Afghanistan. Uh, was it Afghan? Yeah, Afghanistan. K two um, in two thousand three, uh, and then kind of went back and forth until when was my last deployment? Two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, hmm. and then um, retired in twenty fifteen. So I had the, the early six years that I had, and then another fourteen. It was twenty. Wow. Um, so I, I called it. Wow. So yeah. And I pretty much went totally back into aviation after that. I started flying again. I went and finished up my ratings. I got a job with a, uh, cargo outfit that flies 747s evergreen. I did some test flying for the Brazilian air force on a avionics retrofit. And then wow. 2008, I took a job with Boeing. Okay. Yeah. In their flight uh, flight test uh, safety operation, and and still with them today. No, I left Boeing in 2015. Uh, went to Amtrak, became a director of mechanical safety operations. Um, did that until 20 May of 2012. I was there five years, four months, and then I took a job in DC as a vice president of safety uh, investigations for Washington Metro. Did that for a year. Wow, and, and then um, Amtrak I, made me an offer, so I'm back with them, but I'm teleworking because I'm standing standing up their mechanical apprenticeship program. Uh, all the trades, electricians, the welders, pipe fitters, they're developing uh, because it's so hard to find people to work right now. They yeah. want to build an apprenticeship program to hire people off the street, train them up. Part of the uh, union agreement they used to offer this, but they hadn't had to, but now they do. So they made me a nice offer to come back, uh, but I'm you know to do that. So that's what I'm currently doing on my day gig thing. When are we going to get Amtrak in downtown Phoenix? Well, you guys have the light rail now, right? But we have I, the light rail, but like but there I'm should talking. be a station. Yeah. Cause out in Maricopa where I live, I bought a house in Maricopa. So yeah. I'm, I'm it's down, down here. There. That's yeah. Where it's, stop, it's the Southwest chief that stops two in the morning, man. So, you know, get your shit together <laughs> and, and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I'm not trying to go to fucking Maricopa at 2 a.m. to catch a train to fuck knows where. <laughs> no, I feel you. And, and you know what? Right now, I think there's, a, if you follow the news, um, there's a lot of capital funding being invested right. into, the, into the rail system. And I believe right. 
uh, eventually that, that that will happen because as, as all these cities grow the growth out here has is, is, is been it's um, ridiculous yeah and it, we need a we need a downtown phoenix stop i want i want to i want to la go, right you want to go well, to la <laughs> no no i was just gonna say vegas but vegas? you have to go well, through la to get to vegas yeah you know straight to vegas i know build the line there's nothing but desert there what are we it's, doing Let's get to the. Down. Let's get let's get Tucson to flag. You know Tucson Phoenix flag. Like what do we like? Brian, I will bring this this up at a, and at, say, a, at a uh, shareholders meeting. meeting. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, they're public. They're not a public company. It's okay. a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a private government funded entity. You right. figure that out. Yeah. I'll t- <laughs> so anyway. Well, I would. I. I mean, you know, growing up in Massachusetts, I would take yeah. the Amtrak to to Boston. Oh, the Northeast Corridor, man. I take the it Cata, to Burlington. Northeast Cat. Come on, man, fucking <laughs> with it. The fucking cat. Where's the lobster? <laughs> fucking cocksucker. Anyway. <laughs> Believe Brady. That's how I know that you spend enough time in fucking Boston. <laughs> let's talk about some fucking lobster real quick. Yeah, let's. Know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yo, give me a clock of the fucking Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those cats were great. Right next to the drum shop was a Dunkin' Donuts. Right on, you know, 1140 Boylston downtown there. Of course. Like right there, man. Right, right by Fenway. Go to Fenway Park. The socks. Yeah. It's the socks. <laughs> loud, too. I love it because I'm a loud motherfucker. I love Boston. Everybody's fucking volume, man. Oh, my God. On 10 all the time. I fucking loved it. I really hope you're digging this podcast. Um, I'm having a ton of fun doing it and loving just reconnecting with the greater musical community. I hope that you subscribe, share it with your friends. Much love from Phoenix. You have to tell me that story about Ike Turner. And then he well, I met. Did I tell you how I met Mike as well? Oh, tell I, me that story. When I moved he, here in '92. He didn't share and, that uh, with me. Yeah, yeah. We met. Uh, I think it was at the Melody Lounge, first time. Dave there used to be a place called the Melody Lounge. It was a very Dave Cook, very famous local jazz drummer. Yeah, uh, they used to gig there. I think it was every Monday night. We hooked up. And we immediately became friends. And I was new in town. And I got to tell you, Mike immediately started throwing me gigs. And yeah. I mean, Mike has been, and even when I, when I moved back to the East Coast, he used to bring me out. Mike has been incredible um, on many levels as a friendship, as, our, as a friend, and our careers. Yeah, um, same, and same. Just, and, I mean, he's, my son stayed with him for a whole summer. Mm. And his, without, I mean, that's the kind of, yeah. my son Jeff, who was, Getting ready, to, he had a football scholarship, and he was getting ready to train. And he wanted to train with a guy out here. And Mike put him up. And took, cool. I mean, yeah, we're beyond. It's like beyond. Yeah, it's like a. It's a brother thing. You know, yeah, yeah, boy, yeah. He's, he's a family. It's like a. It's 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 deep, and he's he's always had my back. Yeah. Um, the big brother, I guess, I always wanted because he is older than me. I thought yeah. I'd get that in. A couple <laughs> <of years. laughs> Sneak that in. I gotta get that yeah. in. But yeah, anyway, yeah. the Ike Turner story, is that where you yeah. want to go? I want to hear that. All I, over the fucking place he, here. He told me specifically, uh, I was trying to put, he wanted the Ike Turner story, and then there's another story that, uh, hold on, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to edit all this out, darn. Fucking Florio. <laughs> I know. He said, uh, asking about Ike Turner showing yeah. up to our gig 
at Johnny M's 801 Club in San Diego. Yeah. And the subsequent visit to Ike's house at 2 a.m. <coughs> ask him about how we destroyed Slash's blues ball and we <laughs> opened for them. Yeah, we, okay. Both under the guise of quote unquote rumor has it. Uh, yeah. So those are the those are the two stories that so the Ike Turner story. Yeah. Uh, 19 December. Wait a minute. No, January of 93. Um, we got to we got to get <laughs> you want the long version. Or yeah. The short so version? who's on the hit? Mike's on the hit. Mike Florio on drums. Uh, Tra- you know, Tracy Mortimer, bass player. I don't. He used to be in a band. Around year again, we're going back thirty years, Brian. So he Let's was go. in a, a band. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> Love that shit. See, you're a ready firing guy too. Let's go. Fuck it. So <laughs> uh, at the time, I had a '78 Chevy Caprice. The three of us were going to drive from Phoenix to San Diego. Oh my god! So I had a, it was a clean, beautiful Chevy Caprice. Got the U-Haul trailer to put all our shit in. This kind mm. of you know doing a road gig, man. I love it. Twenty-seven at the time or something. Mike, yeah, we're we're kids, you know, yeah. fucking kids, yeah. man. Love it. And I got kids at home, no business, but I'm, I'm, this is what I'm doing, yeah. you know. Like, so, <laughs> ready, fire, rain. So, um, the three of us, we get in the car, so we're just going to do a trio thing: guitar, bass, and drums. Mike's up, <laughs> he's in the back seat. Uh, Mortimer, Tracy, the bass player. We load the U-Haul up. We all leave from my house. We start out. How do you get to San Diego? Fuck, I don't know. I don't know. What do, so he goes, my sister, Mike goes, my sister used to live in L.A. Pull over to a phone booth. This is before. His sister lived in L.A. How do you get, what do we got? Take the eight, take the five, take the ten. Yeah. So he gets directions. <laughs> really? I'm trying. We're going down like, what was it? I don't know. I lived on 83rd Indian School. So we're, I think we're going to pick up whatever Pima Road at the time. It, was, yeah. it wasn't even the loop. Jesus. Right, right. So we pull over. I got it. All right. He jumps back in the car. So you ask Longbird. I got it. Hold I got on. Let me talk to Gina. I got it. All right. Exactly. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he jumps, in, he jumps in the car with his Jeff Picaro mullet. Uh, he had like the, oh, dude, so I still break his onions. You could say. Uh, uh, <laughs> I wish. You need to produce a photo from this. I need I'm to see this to shit. Think if I got, I'm, I don't know. Back then, we didn't have that technology where you. Well, you it. actually took a photo yeah. on film and had it printed, and then you yeah. waited a week. You picked them up, and you're like, "This is shit. This is shit. This. Yeah. Is, I'll keep this one." Right. Now it's just yeah. So we we make our way, and of course, you can imagine the conversation during the car. I can ride. only imagine. It, it, there was. We'll talk about a game we invented. I don't even. I don't even okay. Off the off, off the record. Off, off, I, off. You never know. Things right. happen where recordings yeah. get leaked. You might get mad. I might piss you off at some point. And you, might, you know, I got these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got these motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> It could happen, Brian. I didn't know this. <laughs> I would never I would never cross you, man. I know. Come on, Philly cat. I know better than that, man. <laughs> It'd be funny anyway. It happened. I don't give a fuck. Who cares? Anyway, so we make our way. We we set up for the gig, and the guy comes out, and it was right next to AJ Croce's club. Croce's? Yeah. yeah. So Johnny M's 801 and A Croce's place was right next 
to this club. Wow. Did he get into all of this with you with the AT no, no. thing I, and the ice I, turner I, thing? I read I just read the text to you. That's all he said. So we go in there, right? And uh we set all our shit up and and uh the club owner, manager, or whatever, hands us this tax form. The gig pays like six, seven hundred dollars. I'm like, right. For the whole band, right? Right, right. And Mike goes, give me that. <laughs> he takes it and he fills out Mike Calabrese. He, he makes up a name, Mike Calibrate, right on his phone, and puts some phony social security. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, gives it, he gives it to the guy. <laughs> like, thus, thus, starting, thus starting a long history with the IRS. Yeah, yeah. so this poor bastard, Mike Calibrate, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, some cat in Jersey is like, why am I getting a 1099 for a gig, for yeah, a gig yeah. I did in San Diego? Yeah, but it was totally like just made up on the spot. And not, because oh. come on, they're going to come after us. Right. For right. Yeah. Come on. We hit the first set. And we're kind of cooking along. Uh, and then I, this is when Ike walked in. And I, I'd known Ike Turner. Ike Turner. Yeah, so, you said you met him kind of back in the Bay Area days? Well, or? Yes, yes. He was... <laughs> Yeah, I was I was playing a gig somewhere, and he and he, I guess he had just gotten out of the joint, you know. For yeah, I, yeah, for a cool. variety of things. And he and he was cool. He was yeah, man. I'm messing with that narcotic. I don't play with that narcotic. So anyway, yeah, that's what cocaine he said. is a hell of a drug. Yeah, yeah cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> still, still one of my favorite. Oh, I believe I'm bleeding in my chest, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> no, I didn't hit Charlie Murphy. Either. Of course, I hit Charlie Murphy. Either. Darkness, <laughs> unity. Wow, man, my head was bumping. <laughs> Unity. <laughs> I wish I had four thumbs to give those titties four, four thumbs down. <laughs> That's one of my. The milk done's gone bad, Charlie. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so still one of my goddamn favorites. Yeah, well, yeah, so I meet like I'm playing in the Bay Area, still in the Air Force, but I'm doing all the side gigs. And the yeah. cat comes in with like a long overcoat on, and really cool. He says, "Hey, man, you bad motherfucker." So thank you, sir. I didn't know who it was. And he hands me yeah. a card. And I'm like, yeah, I stick it in my pocket. I fucking, uh, whatever. Right. I go home. Fuck, that was Mike Turner. Jesus. So I call him the next day. Hey, man. Yeah, you didn't know who the fuck I was, did you? Said, <laughs> Motherfucker. He said, that's what he said. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. I said, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't recommend, you know, the light, the lighting. And you don't get bullshit. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Bullshit. Lighting was in their shadows. I, I, I was I confused. I couldn't see. I confuse easily. <laughs> you know, I'm a musician. You know, come on. Give me a break here. Right. Yeah, that's bullshit. I said, well, I never expected Ike Turner to walk in and hand me a card and tell me I'm a bad motherfucker. Why the fuck not? If I play guitar like you, I'd be kicking asses all over the fucking town. Anyway, it was just really cool like that. Wow. So I did a couple gigs with him. He put together a little Ike Turner review. I think they actually were supposed to play on the Arsenio Hall show at the time. I couldn't make it. I was still in the Air Force. So they got some other guitar player. And then the bus that the band was in rolled. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everybody was cool. Anyway. Jesus. 
<laughs> there's always it's always some sh- bullshit. It's funny. So back to Johnny M's eight hundred one. We're in San Diego. Like Turner comes walking in. He had uh, his girlfriend, wife at the time. She's a singer. Really nice, really nice chick, and another woman with him. And I look and I go. He stands right in front of me. I go, Ike. And I said, stop the fucking band, man. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we stopped playing in the middle of the set. And the bass player, he is that Ike? Is that Ike Turner? He had like, yeah, man, it's like, Mike's like, yeah, that's Ike. Chill the fuck out, man. Because Mike's going to try to be cool. Right, right, you know, right. Like, act disinterested and shit. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah Ike who? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah. I know the name. I know the name. Ike, Ike Eisenhower? No. Like, anyway. <laughs> No, he was cool though. So we sit down and um, we start talking and rapping. It was really cool. And, we, and, he, and actually, still, he wanted to. I said, Ike, I never got an autographed picture from you. What the fuck you need that for? Just call me. I said, No, man. <laughs> so we went outside and it was drizzling a little bit. And I still have this picture where we started to sign it and the pen didn't work. And I, I, think, it's actually, I think it's actually cooler because. Yeah. It's like incomplete. Yeah, he said, right. ah, fuck it, just take it. So I right. still have it where it's just kind of like it. Anyway. Oh, that's awesome. Own, yeah, just for my own whatever. But um, so he invites us. Uh, so that was what? Saturday. We played Friday and Saturday. So we were heading to LA. We we're heading to the NAM show. Mm-hmm. My brother had got his passes. My brother was endorsed by Hammond at the time. So he got me and and he said we could me and Mike and Tracy, he got us into the show. Um and and yeah. Was it yes. I think it was Anaheim. I'm trying to think. It was at, at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 1990. So, um, and we were going to crash at him at, with him and his place. Joe was just being, you know, being really cool. So, yeah. I, I said, uh, "What do you guys doing tomorrow?" Because he was there the Friday night, and we were just going to fuck around all day Saturday. Yeah, we'll come by, man. We blew him off. <laughs> Me and Mike were driving around San Diego, listening to that. Uh, <laughs> Oh God! What's that tune? Yes, you wonder where I've been. Yeah, I'm searching to find the love within. I came back to let you know. Oh, I had a thing for you and a woman ago. Oh, 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 I always thought I always thought that was um, Boss Gags, but it's um, no, it's um, I just the names right now. It's gonna drive me nuts. Uh, hold on. Oh. Bobby, uh, uh, white cat, right? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, and I can't let go. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering what is wrong. With yes. You? So we're cruising around, listening to that and talking about like what different drummers would play better on it. And Bobby yeah. Caldwell. Yes. Yeah. 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 Bobby yeah. Caldwell. Yeah. 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 It's what a, so that kind of tune was like the soundtrack for the day we, and so, we left, and I said, hey, Ike, man, we didn't get a chance to make it. We had a problem with the car. I got a flat tire. He said, bullshit. Y'all <laughs> just fucking around in San Diego. And he was right. That's right. So when we left after the gig Saturday night to go to L.A., we stopped at Ike's. Oh, God. <laughs> so it's this little apartment somewhere in between. What? Yeah. He's what, he, fell on hard times or some shit? Well, I think he was just about to come into the money again. Okay. Because okay. he, um, <laughs> so we go in there, and he, where you motherfuckers been? And he's standing there in his pajamas. So we come in and, and his girlfriend's there. It's late, you know, and he's got this little keyboard and we're running. And, and, and you see on his coffee table, he, did Mike t- I don't know if Mike told you any of this. It says, it says, call Bobby Womack. 
on his desk. Yeah. Like making a note for himself. Yeah, he oh. made a little. Yeah, and I said, "Yo, oh, man." No, no, no. <laughs> so called. Yeah, I got called that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fuck owe me money. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going through these different tunes that he's working on. And he's got this goofy pro. And you remember those little beat beatbox things they had on old keyboards mm-hmm. where you could yep. tap tempo into it. And it was, yep. he said, "Check this out. You could program it ignorant." And he would tap it like. And it would come. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> yeah and then he, they ju- just started doing filming that movie about ike and tina which love got to do it i think that was the name of the movie mm-hmm. and he was getting he was cons- getting consulting he was getting checks and i swear I'm, i don't know if you remember there's a scene in the movie where he gets the big check from the record company he's walking around the house showing everybody yeah. before the movie came out he did that with us so that must no have shit. been true Oh, so yeah. he got this check and had like the Disney logo on it with the yeah. and it was for like look I got this for two days consultant it was uh-huh. like for forty thousand bucks so Ike was coming back yeah and then yeah. He, I said he said they got this cat playing me this uh, Fishburn cat I don't know man he said he's got a couple they got him with some gray hair he said I ain't never had a gray hair he said I dip my head in a bowl of ink before I had a gray hair. <laughs> What a fucking trip. Yeah, so then we leave. <laughs> <laughs> you go, oh, yeah, man, give me a call. Yeah, we're fucking all right. Yeah, okay, see you later. And we split and we went to LA for a whole nother head trip. <laughs> and with cosmic fucking. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, you, that was so much fun. And I've always been more, and I hate to say, I guess I'm a serious musician, but when you're playing with, and you know this, Brian, when you're playing with bad motherfuckers, and they all know what they're doing, and the groove is good, and the energy is good, the music becomes secondary. I just want to fuck around now and hang out with all these lunatics. Right. The fun and the hang is more, it becomes more interesting and more fulfilling to me yeah. than the music, because you got that dick. Right. So you, the camaraderie and the, and the t- to me, that's like having this, Having this dialogue with you right now with someone that actually understood that you get all of it. You totally get this. So it's like, who else am I going to talk to this? And you right. talk about like, is this, would this be interesting? Like if we did like one of those, you know, Seth Rogen podcasts and he brings on people that, that want to talk about vitamin B and how it affects your asshole, whatever they talk about, <laughs> would they, would they be half as interested in what we're talking about? No, they wouldn't have a fucking clue. No. You I mean, have to, obviously, we could dumb. We not. I don't want to say dumb it down, but we can. We can bring it to a level to where it's anecdotal and it's fine. I'm, I'm giving you the real inside. No, I, I'd love to get it. And and yeah. and I think you're right. In a sense, it is dumbing it down. Not not in any like. I don't mean a, a negative negative way. way. Yeah. It's just yeah. speaking in a language that the other person understands. Right. Like we we talk in a way. Um, <laughs> yes. There's a taxonomy and a vernacular that, yes, that we use that we understand. Yeah. Now, if we're to relate this story to something like a like a, a normie, yes, we'd have to use other words to get the same idea across. But we get it's to not do- as funny though, right? <laughs> That's true. The whole shit's about how fucking hard can you laugh for no reason, <laughs> and that's where I get hung up. Right. Yeah. Like you know, look, we need to rehearse. Why? We're gonna go kill this shit. Right. I don't want to kill the spot in me. All right, you want to rehearse? Let's rehearse. Run through the shit. I get it. Professionalism. But do you, you have, have a, uh, Do you have any shows coming up? Do you have any desire 
to, to yeah. play? Like what, what's happening? Absolutely. I want to play. I just, I actually just put out a, I, I was going to bring it and I'll send it to you. Or we Please can do. Up. I'd rather be, I mean, uh, I did a tribute at Clark Rigsby's. I did a, a tribute to BB King mm. that I released and played like I, I did a gig at the rhythm room behind it back in 20. When was this? 2018, 2018 january of 2018 and george benson showed up and he heard it and, Damn, rolls up in his rolls yeah, up in the bentley cool. yeah. parks it right in front and he really dug it and it was nice because he's one of my heroes to hear what he yeah he's say. In, and yeah. We, the reason why we did the project is the original live at the regal uh the guy who was supposed to play organ on it ended up playing piano he's still alive he's a friend of mine from the bay area wow so the live at the Regal. If you ever check it out, it's the quintessential live BB King recording. It, so Duke was on that. He's a friend of mine, and he's an organ player. And I used to gig with him in the Bay Area, and we maintained a, an incredible friendship. And I said, "Well, BB just died in 2015. I ran into him. They were doing a tribute in Oakland. I might to a Hammond B3 tribute dedicated to my dad, and, and doing a gig. And Duke showed up, and I hadn't seen him in years." Wow. And, and he's a fellow pilot. His story is more is, is incredibly amazing. But he um, said, why don't we do a tribute to live at the Regal? We'll transcribe all the, describe all the charts. And instead of this, because the organ was broke for the original recording. So he had to play piano on it. Yeah. So why don't we do it? All right. He did. Yeah. So we did that. I just wanted to do it. I didn't really go out and tour and gig me. I just wanted to do it. Um, so we did it at Clark's and I hired Jerry Donato to do all the arrangements and it, 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 I had Roger Dreyer on bass, Dalwell Davis, who I know you recently could, we played together and he transferred an incredible job. Yeah. Uh, you can, if you want to check it out, I'll give you a cut, whatever, but um, I'll check it out. And tonight. Then I, Is it on Spotify? Yes. Yeah. And there's I'm another record I did called, I released in 2020. Uh, it's a fusion total. There's one vocal on it. Um, it's like a jazz fusion funk amalgam of tunes that I, the original tunes that I kind of conjured up. It's called Philly special. That's on Spotify as well. Um, and released that. I, I haven't done the radio thing with that because I just was like, but I would like to play behind some of this stuff. Mm. I mean, I gigged for so long for so many years and then you get into like, I, now I bought all this vintage recording equipment. I got a two inch Otari machine. Oh shit. Yeah. And I got an old, I got an Amec console. And then Alan and Heath boy and all. Okay. so I got into that like production right. like again you know you got to go my wife thinks I'm nuts but you, you can't just do you know can you buy a little one <laughs> no I need cables and microphones fucking shit all over the place so I'm gonna bring all that shit out here the house I just built that I'm talking to you from now has like this I had it built they offered a five car garage so I'm gonna turn how oh, awesome to a studio and anyway Very cool. And you could come out. No, the thing is, man, cats like you, I'm not trying to do, you just come over. The shit's mic'd up. You got a beat three, you got drums. You flip Love the switch That's and it's cool. two in the morning and you have some Ryan, I have some scotch and we fucking lay it down Let's and have some fun <laughs> for no fun. Right, for no reason. I always wanted that. These yeah. studios, because they're trying to make money out. Well, I got to tear yeah. everything down. No, I want shit mic'd up. I walk in, I throw a switch right, and we're, and we're having fun. <sighs> laughing the fucking balls off, laying down shit, coming up with grooves, ideas. Because that's oh, how they used to do it. Right. In the 60s and 70s, when these record companies, you'd get a the fucking million dollars and you'd spend three months fiddle-fucking around. Right. You wrote the record in the studio. Well, that, or or after the hit is when right. they would go to the studio. Right, right. At, at 2 a.m. 
after they, after they've been running shit down for four hours they're like let's go to the studio let's cut some shit we got everyone's it. fucking tuned up like let's go yeah. you know exactly and and, and uh, yeah they would even travel and book studio time on a tour and bring tapes with them right because they would get an idea on stage for something and uh, it was it was it was you know it was a, just a creative now you got to have your shit together because I got to make sure because it's going to guy's going to charge me $50 or whatever it is. And you get it in there and you get it in there and, and then you throw it on the computer well, and you turn it into a fucking science project. I like, you know, you know, thousand dollar a day studios. Like who has the budget for that? Like, no, no label is going to cough up that bread. So it's not all, anymore. It's all out, right. Not anymore. All out of pocket. Like, no, nah, no, I'm going to do it at the crib. And I'm going to yeah. send it out to my friends and they'll bring it back and I'll mix it at home on my fucking laptop. Like, yeah, man. like I, I, I don't want that. I want, I want <laughs> to be in the fucking studio. with you, yeah. you want that funky, you want shag carpet on the wall. Yeah, you man. Know, a little I want bit it to of smell a... like an ashtray and some, <laughs> and some fucking whiskey. Let's get to work. Yeah, exactly. That's that vibe, man. You know that. I miss I, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I miss so, it. So yeah. Um, that's the Ike Turner story, by the way. I mean, well, there was a there was a payoff, man. I I enjoy I enjoyed <laughs> that. Um, I would I would love nothing more uh, than to 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 have an evening with you and Florio, and we'll get uh, a nice we'll get a nice bottle of something. Yeah, we'll just share some stories. I mean, I'm just gonna listen. I don't have anything no, 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 to no. contribute you, you to. Gotta, you got to knuckle up with some shit. I, I don't have I don't have half the fucking shit. Uh, it was different then, Brian. Yeah, it, it just was like every everybody was out of their fucking minds, <laughs> and it became the it became the normal. Right, like it became the shift to where <laughs> you couldn't say anything. You just checked your ego at the door. You couldn't say anything that would hurt, like that somebody would like feel bad about you just right. laugh like okay oh. you go back and forth i mean just breaking each other's balls man right. it's like you you like almost <laughs> pretty fucking good and then you just get good at it and then you know you just live there right and then every now and then someone would get hot <laughs> <laughs> all right there's the line <laughs> but it was up you know it was like it wasn't a habitual line right right <laughs> right <laughs> well <laughs> And, and Florio is always good at finding that fucking line. Oh, you know? oh it's yeah, yeah. He knows. He knows. Yeah. yeah. He'll, yeah. he'll touch it. He'll walk over it. But I'll come back. <laughs> and you got to remember, man, Mike, it's it's always coming from, it's always in good. Yeah. He doesn't have a, bla a bad place to come from. No. He just no. doesn't. It doesn't exist. And that's why we, it's just like. So much of yeah. what you said of your experience uh, with Florio is the same uh, yeah. for me. Yeah. It's all love. Um, he had a had a big uh, part in my uh, career here, and uh, continues to um, influence me. I'm I'm, you know, now starting to process all the things that he was telling me ten years ago. Um, and putting them to practice. So, sure, we both we both share love for this man, and and oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. he's he's a sweetheart. And I really enjoyed uh, rapping with you, man. I hope that um, I hope that we get a, a minute uh, to to meet in person uh, yeah. and, and play I, together too, man. Oh, that'd be hip. That'll I mean, be hip. It'd be fun to just 
you know, your, your stuff's killing, man. Thanks, man. Mike hit me to your stuff a while ago, and now it's like when we talked about doing this, and he said, "This, you know, oh, I remember. Is that? The, yeah, that's him, man. It's a fucking bad dude, man. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, what's he want to talk to me about? <laughs> well, so, I I really yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. It's nice yeah. to meet you, kind of virtually, and and hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we can we can hang. I would love a, an opportunity. I'll bring a bottle over and and we'll. Uh, yeah, man, you're always invited. Anytime you want to come by, man, I'm out here in the fucking sticks anyway. But um, and I like it. It's quiet. It's a nice crib. You know, yeah, fucking yeah. whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. Who knows at this point? But um, no, really, thank you. And hopefully, <laughs> I gave you something you could use because I do. Uh, I do tend to. to, to I love it. That's what this podcast is about, man. Well, you make me think about shit that I haven't thought about in like, I mean, what, how did Todd say I got this Berkeley job? Maybe he remembers. It's like, yeah. <laughs> he just wanted to know. You know. I'm trying to remember <laughs> what, what bullshit story I told him. I told you the real, I might've told him something different. <laughs> yeah. You know? and well, he, we'll, we'll get Todd involved too. And, yeah. And we'll, we'll, oh, yeah. All, we'll all just have a hang. I would love that. Yes, I would too. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Johnny. I I, I will. Right. Uh, I'll be in touch soon, brother. I appreciate yeah. you. All right, appreciate you too. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. All right, man. Be good. <laughs>